0: The views on this podcast belong uniquely and solely to the mouths from which they emanate. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Linguist Podcast. I am Jarrett and I'm your host. Let's see. We're continuing today with our discussion with Dr. David Zork. And if you listened to last week's episode, I'm sure you're looking forward to this one because it was some fascinating stuff. One of the things that I forgot to mention in the introduction to last week's episode was the amount to which the ethnologue has relied on David Zork's classifications in the Bisayas. The data that he collected... All over the Visayas and the work that he published on the classification of the Visayan languages. I don't know exactly how many of those languages are classified specifically in the ethnologue based on David Zork's research, but I know that it's a significant number. If you didn't catch last week's episode... Well, first of all, go back and re- listen to it. But if you didn't catch David Zork's first episode uh, with the Weekly Linguist, I also mentioned that we will be posting the link to his website where there is a ton of useful information for anybody that would like to delve further into Philippine languages, yours truly among them. Anyway, let's go ahead and just get started this week and finish our discussion with my friend, David Zork. Okay. Getting to my next question, and uh, one of these days I'm going to do a whole podcast on this, but I I wanted to talk briefly about this idea of the focus system. So what you you have here is a very Philippine feature, right? So like um, we can call this, this is the primary feature of how we distinguish what we call Philippine-type languages. So even right. if they're not on the Philippines... Uh,
1: in all fairness, it is found in Formosa and on Borneo, too. But yeah, generally, they, scholars use the word Philippine-type language, and by that they mean this four-voice system for verb inflection.
0: Which is... Called
1: focus. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, or, or people have lately I've I've noticed have been trying to change the term. Um it, it was called voice for a while and then it became focus. And then some Correct. people are using the word pivot today. Um yes, pivot. because read, yes. it takes on a very different meaning from what somebody in another part of a linguist in another part of the world would 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 think of as focus. It it's it's mm. it's a very specific meaning. But basically what you have, and I, like I said I want to do a whole episode on this one day with somebody, but Basically what you have is you have a prefix that is added to the verb and that prefix determines which one of the noun cases after at the end of the sentence gets focused on, right? Yeah, it And that word becomes,
1: becomes the topic or subject of the sentence.
0: And and so each yes, and so each one of these um um each one of these um um clauses gets, or phrases, excuse me, my my mind had a little blank there. Each one of these these phrases, like, so for instance, the actor or the object or the location or the instrument, they each have um, their case markers. But this, wherever that particular prefix on that verb drives to a specific one of those uh, 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 cases and puts the on there, basically, and it replaces... Whatever the case marker is, so what you have is you have this idea of basically the sentence is the same, except you when you change the prefix on the verb, then that ong moves around, so that you get things like, inst- so the the boy bit the dog is can be written almost the same as the. Let me see I'm, I'm working this in my head. The dog, the dog bit the bit boy, the boy yes. in the same uh-huh. order but you you've basically you've moved you've changed the case markers and the verb so you know who's doing what to what.
1: Correct. Yeah, that's right. You, the boy bit the dog and the dog bit the boy are marked by a verb prefix and a special subject case marker in the Philippine language so you never know who may who did I mean you always will know who was the biter and who was
0: the bitee? I think one of the reasons though, and this is very similar to what we consider to be voice, our voice system. But I think one of the reasons that people don't like to call it a voice system, I don't have a problem with it really, but one of the reasons that people don't like to call it a voice system is because active or what they would consider to be the active where the actor is in focus is not, Necessarily, the 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 most common or the primary Correct. form. Yeah.
1: That's right. Uh, norm, norm, in in a voice system, you always take active or actor voice to be the most basic. And in Philippine languages, you could make a very strong case that it's one of the passives that's the most basic. Or otherwise, you just give up and say, "Well, the root is what's basic," but it's the affix system then. And passives definitely outnumber actives if you just look at uh, a large series of texts.
0: Right. Um, I haven't looked at this closely, but um, I think somebody mentioned to me one time that the active can initiate a dialogue or a conversation or, or a text, and then from that point, they pretty much they switch they, they switch into something that we would see as more passive.
1: Right, yeah, I, I. in fact, I had a little story that I always used to elicit in every language I studied, and it was uh, not, something that would be frowned upon nowadays, uh, but it was about cigarette smoking, I would have people translate. I went to the store and bought a cigarette, and your only active verb in the all, that and all the rest will be the word went, okay? So I went to the store and bought a cigarette. I lit it up. Well, right away you'll have the pat- locative voice. You're, you're going to say Han ko You know, it, it'll be with a Gin prefix and an on suffix. And then uh, I blew out the. Uh, I, I sucked in the smoke. Gin Yup Yup ko ro so. You've got the past direct passive voice, and then gin is, I, I exhaled it, it uh, the smoke, uh, and when it was almost finished, cut, went there, you're talking about the object, makatapos I threw it away, gin pilakko, again, that's the instrument or the, uh, voice that shows away from the actor in fact uh jared that's something that that i've stressed a lot lately in in, in my thinking at least the voice system that we use where we use english labels like active passive etc mm-hmm. and we talk about instrumental really the, what the voice system is locational if the object moves towards an actor Like you buy something, so it's coming towards you. Right. You eat something, it's coming towards you. You drink something, it's coming towards you. If it goes away from the actor, like I threw it away, I'm selling it. You sell something, it goes from you away from you to someone else. I'm giving it to you, it goes away from the actor. And then the third kind is locational. It's something that's just around the actor. Mm -hmm. So I kissed him on, or her on the cheek. Uh, you get a locational. So you get the, the un suffix on all verbs that where the action is going towards the a person. You get an e prefix for right. any verb. that where the action uh, by the object is going away from the speaker or doer and the on suffix again is when something is just happening around the speaker so it's in other words it's really a locational system and that's possibly why pivot is becoming a current term for that because it, it captures a sense of the location of things Away from the actor, towards the actor, or around the actor. That's what's what the verb system in the Philippines seems to be have deep in its underbelly.
0: Now, we've called that ablative, right? Ablative and. Well,
1: ablative is away from, yes. Yeah. Uh, and what was the. For the instrumental or right. uh, that away from the actor.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Okay, so as you were talking, I, 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 I think I've sent this to you, but if not, I just wanted you to know, um, this is just a matter of interest here, okay, for our listeners. Mm-hmm. This is the cigarette story in Bantayanon. Are you ready? <laughs> yes, right. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and do this just for our listeners, and then I will put it up on the website as well. But I okay. have, this is uh, a synopsis of basically five different Bantayanon speakers. So, mm-hmm. I went to the market and bought a cigarette. So you have, Mi kato ko sachangi kag mi nagpalit sing sigarilyu. Then I lit it. Sunod akon gidakutan. Then I inhaled the smoke. Sunod akon gisuyop ang aso. Now see, notice right there what we're talking about. Ang aso, the smoke, is the subject of the sentence but mm-hmm. because you're moving into step-by-step, step, it's actually in the passive voice. So, mm-hmm, and then, then I blew it out. Sunod um, akon gibugwak pagawas. Right. When it was almost finished, happy na mahuman, I snuffed it out and on a tree and threw it away. Akon ginudnud sakahoi. And um, so anyway, this is, maybe that's the first time Bantayanon has ever been, not that my pronunciation is excellent, but that's the first time Bantayanon maybe has ever gone out to the world. Um, but a couple of things that I do want to mention here. Um, I was reading a couple of days ago. I think it was, yikes, I think it was Modus, Cecile Modus. It might have been Cecile Modus, but... That was back in the day when they were doing the Pali language text on these different Correct. languages, Poly, and yes, Modus. It was like Modus, and that was well, around the same time Wolfenden and these people were yes, yes. um were were for putting uh, right for for Hiligaynon. and I think in her dictionary, and I I wanted to ask you about this, and I'll take this opportunity. One of the hmm. differences between, you know, Hiligaynon or Ilongo and Bantayanon, and the difference between those and Cebuano is this difference in the case marker for the genitive case. You have actually two, sing and sung. Mm. whereas Cebuano, okay. you only have ug, which uh, mm. Tagalog would be nung, right? So, but there's uh, yeah. two.
1: Na and Tagalog or nung. Nung. Uh, they, they write it N-G, but it's N-A-N-G in right. pronunciation. And Cebuano is ug.
0: Ug, right, G. right. So m- the question is this. From you and from others, I've been under the impression, um, I think Curtis McFarlane said this as well, but I've been under the impression that sing and sung, you di- the difference was one was definite and one was indefinite. And but and that's what the literature says, but I have a question. Um, Modus, at least for gynon she calls these, she basically says they're in free variation. And the reason that I'm not I'm not quick to just throw that idea out is because one of the ladies on our committee in Bantayan, who was working on these, these, uh, the dictionary and on the elementary school textbooks, she came up to me and she said, Jarrett, what's the difference? How do we decide what the difference is between sing and sung? And I was a little taken back by the, by the question, because in my head I'm thinking, well, you should tell me. I mean we can you know, you sh- you're the one that should know this is your language, but she wasn't sure. And um and so anyway, I, I wondered if you might have a th- I don't wanna to mean to put you on the spot, but this interesting feature in Hiligaynon and in Bantayanon of the distinction in the case marker for the genitive case, sing and song, I mean it's it seems that it, it should be the difference is between definite and indefinite, right?
1: Well that's the the main line of difference that people talk about. I have too. But uh, the other thing is, like, sang is only used for past tense. Uh, 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 you know, when it's used as a thing like sang not ako, it becomes the word for when almost. But it's the same song. and for some reason, that that always seems to fill in the past tense. Uh, you know, so, so for past event. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, I, I've only known it to mean definite for the sung and indefinite for the sing, in languages that have a difference.
0: Yeah. That's
1: but, what I thought. Uh, uh, but I, the fact that it could fall into free variation, I would not dispute, because uh, these things sometimes lose a function in a language.
0: Well, that's actually that's actually my thought on it. Is having mm. it show up in Bantayan and the lady wasn't sure as to the what, how she would use one or the other. It seems to me that it might be a distinction that's being lost.
1: Correct. It could be on its way out.
0: Okay, going further, further. One last mm-hmm. question for you, and um, again, I really appreciate you talking to us. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm trying to think about the future, and um, I'm trying to think about when you know when the when the David Zorks and the and the Bob Blusts and the Lori Reeds and the Jason Lobels, and maybe the Jared Allens, Who knows? But when when we're no longer in the Philippines doing the work. I've noticed that there's a lot of Filipinos who are, uh, there's a an increase in the number of Filipinos who are interested in studying their language. Um,
1: yes, very much so. I'm in touch with over uh, 18 Filipino, uh, either professors or students, uh, at either UP or Ateneo and so on. Um, and it's I'm very pleased to see how many there are that, you know, are really interested in studying Philippine languages.
0: What do you think is the priority? I mean, what would you consider the priority? Would it, today, would it be just language documentation? Would it be a, well, attempts to revitalize? Because there's still,
1: Many languages that don't even have a good basic description, like you know, a mini grammar mm-hmm. or what do they call them,
0: reference grammars, a sketch and that, grammar, and, yeah, yeah, and,
1: and extended word list, like a thousand or two thousand words. Mm-hmm. That should be the minimum goal. There's like 197 languages uh, so far identified in the Philippines, and not more than half of them have that kind of material available.
0: And these, so, these, these I, I've i have found a lot of Filipinos are, are, are wanting to pick up that mantle.
1: Yes, yes, that's why, and I'm really pleased that, because it didn't look this good back when I was doing, in the 70s and 80s when I was in the Philippines. It looked like there was nobody else interested, no Filipinos. And, you know, so being as an American, uh, you sometimes feel a little guilty. Here you are, an American, studying Philippine languages you know and our filipinos doing it too and way back it wasn't the case but boy it's becoming the case now and i'm very pleased with that
0: well i think that's also really cool because another and another reason is like i'd mentioned to anthony grant and i think you and i have talked about this before um in the general field of linguistics around the world i feel like and you know maybe it's just anecdotal evidence but i feel like the philippine languages don't get the attention they deserve like I mentioned to Anthony I've been to the LSA the 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 annual meeting for the Linguistic Society of America I've been there several times and I've always looked like scoured through their program at least a few times I've been there there has been nothing that's even close to 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 a Philippine language mentioned they just they don't talk about it you know and um you know I know that I know that the University of Wisconsin Ha- teaches Tagalog classes, well, Filipino classes in the in in the summer. I know the University of Hawaii has um, a good deal of focus on it. No pun, in, well, pun intended. <laughs> and um, and then and then I know I think Cornell still does a good bit of of Philippine work. But there's not a outside of that. It seems like there are other language families that at least tend to be more, you know, in fad or in fashion these right, days. Yeah. Um Do you have any the thoughts Arabic, on that? Chinese, the
1: Chinese, uh, the European languages, these are the mainstay of linguistic, uh, uh, what do you call it, educational institutes around the U.S. So, uh, yeah, Philippine languages don't fare well.
0: Why do you think that is? Any idea?
1: Well, they're just, you know, out there somewhere, and they're just not important. Uh, you know, they're not financially important. The country is becoming a little bit more, uh, you know, important, uh, although it's having an export effect. Uh, there's, oh, They're opening up a Bee restaurant here oh in, my B, goodness. in Maryland, of all places. Oh, uh, my Jolly goodness. Jolly bee is, as you know, is a, a Philippine chicken chain. <laughs> and... Uh, the last thing America may need is another chicken restaurant that Charlie Bee's trying. <laughs> so uh, it's an inverse uh, kind of thing that the Philippines is uh, trying to invade the U.S. rather than the U.S. invade the Philippines. Vienna,
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, I think they have that bee, that as I, I've, I've, <laughs> I call it down there, that damned bee on every corner. Look, look, Dr. David. Bantayan is very famous for its Holy Week processions, and so like people come from all over the Visayas to Bantayan. The joke is that mm. that the island sinks afoot during Holy Week because there's so <laughs> many people on the island. But do you know? No, Bantayan does not have a. As far as I know, it, unless it has one more recently, Bantayan does not have a Jolly Bee. But Jolly Bee will bring in that mobile Jolly Bee for Holy Week.
1: Mm, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and they and
0: they they sell those 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 that chicken and those hamburgers out of that big red mobile jolly bee with that big mm. goofy looking bee standing right there. Yeah. It's am, it's amazing to me how much people love that. They they absolutely love it.
1: hmm right. Um it's really a popular chain in the Philippines.
0: Yeah, yeah. And they also have a Kenny Rogers. You know, mm. I, I've never there's apparently Kenny, the actual Kenny Rogers has something to do with this chicken chain in the Philippines. But anyway, uh, we're digressing. Let me finish. Let me finish this, this, this podcast, because it's probably going to go into two episodes, which will be fine. But uh, let's let's finish by asking you, um, share us, share with us or with our listeners. What are you working on right now that you could talk to us about?
1: Well, educating uh, April, not educating Rita, but this April Almarine is, uh, is something I spend about four hours every day on emails, doing research, writing up things, suggesting things for her to read and that because she really wants to become an etymologist. Uh, but otherwise, I'm writing a dozen papers like I'm very interested in the uh what's called, I call the Bashiak languages, that's Ivatan, Itbayatan, uh, Yami, and Babuyan uh, in the far north of the Philippines. Uh, people have, there's been several good dissertations written on the language, but uh, what I've done is found a list of over 220 words that were innovated only in among these Bashiach languages. So I'd like to publish a paper on that because people have worked on the subgrouping of the languages but no one has shown what Bashiik has created that the world doesn't yet know about. (laughs) So that's one of my papers. The other one is a defense of this northern and southern Philippine Mm -hmm. subgroups, valid. Uh, I have to defend that because it's really my theory and I've held it ever since my dissertation. Uh, even in my Bisayan dialects, I talked about a proto-southern Philippine uh, and a proto northern Philippine. So uh, I've been aware of it all my linguistic life, but none of the major Austronesian scholars like Robert, uh, pardon me, uh, Rob, yeah, Robert Blass, John Wolfe, accept this uh, theory. So I've got to, you know, it'd be an uphill climb to try and defend it.
0: Well, and that reminds me you know uh, um, when you're doing these these reconstructions and studying these proto languages um for those that don't know it, it can be controversial
1: oh yes, uh, yeah we are blessed that a lot of our etymologies are are very straightforward, i mean like the word for proto philippine mata. Is exactly that mata M-A-T-A and on the final a, mm-hmm. uh, it's not controversial, so it's not a formula. But sometimes you get words where, if you put them together, you have to create a rather obtuse or idiotic-looking reconstruction. Well, like the word for let's see, samuti. It's a it's the name of a grain that is eaten a lot in the Philippines. At any rate, you get things like in the southern Philippines, it's muti. In Tagalog, it's anti. And in Formosa, it's samichi. Uh, with the, the S means that it, it will become a, an H in the Philippines, so it's something like hamati. Uh, so it's a three-syllable word, but most of the languages like Tagalog have anti or this mindanao, it's muti, are two syllables. So a three-syllable word has become two syllables. But the reconstruction or etymology seems to have to be three syllables, and probably with a short u in the middle. <laughs> so uh, which gets lost then, because Tagalog lost it. It's this anti. Right. So at any rate, you know, this is you know can be very controversial. So I, there's a thing that where you get either a reconstruction is very close to the original language uh, and it's non-controversial, or else you get a formula that's ridiculously controversial.
0: Right, right, right. Well, Dr. David, as we say, um, we thank you very much, and I'm sure I'll be talking to you very soon. Um, As a matter of fact, uh, I'm not ashamed to tell the world uh, you have one of my chapters. yeah and so i mean uh, I'll tell everybody i'll I'll thank you publicly um for being willing to to look at at my chapters and and give me your thoughts on that and i i i I really appreciate it um one of your chap- one of my chapters in the dis- in the dissertation is actually going to be a functor list of bantayanon and uh one of the reasons that I want to do this is because bantayanon was one of i think only two or three languages in your your in your, in your you classic work where you didn't have, have much information to, be able to do
1: it yes right. I didn't have enough data
0: right and that's that's and I said well you know better late than never but I'm gonna get it for you and we're gonna publish it and and, and get it over to you but um Wonderful. thank you for everything and um I'm sure I'll be talking to you very soon
1: okay thanks Jared and god bless
0: you too you too
1: Bye-bye. bye 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 In closing, remember to check out the show notes at weeklylinguist.com There you will find further information about this episode Like more information about the guest, a selected bibliography and any links mentioned in this episode As the saying goes, if you enjoyed the podcast, tell a friend If you didn't, tell us You can tell a friend by rating us 5 stars on iTunes And by writing a glowing endorsement in the reviews don't forget to subscribe when you're done and follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Weekly Linguist for any feedback, positive or cri- critical, <laughs> write to us at podcast at weeklylinguist.com. Tell us what you think, what we can do better, or even suggest a topic, ah, a topic for an upcoming episode.